Gevach is it is as we know Shabbat Shuvah Motzi Shabbat Shuvah it's it means that we are now in the final week the final stages till Yom Kippur it means that we are now putting ourselves in a situation where we have to finish our preparations to be able to go into Yom Kippur and we understand the significance of Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur we know what it means to have to prepare ourselves to go into Yom Kippur we have spent a month of preparation in Elul we have spent two days of Rosh Hashanah we are now in the middle with less less than a few days left of the Aserah Shuva, of that week in between Rosh Hashanah and Kippur, that first week of the year where we have to live our life to the max to show our greatest potential and we are now reaching that end, Motzi Shabbos Motzi Shabbos before Yom Kippur, a few days left so Yom Kippur is the highlight of this time and what is the highlight of Yom Kippur? well obviously on a, on a logical level, the highlight is Nila. Because uh, we know that as we go through Yom Kippur, the intensity grows and grows and grows until finally, until finally we, we Akush Baruch who sends away the Sultan, he's Mamish standing right over us, and it's an opportunity for us to pour ourselves out in Tefillah in that final level. My son over Shabbos told me a... Uh, a marshal on this from the Magid Lublin about a hunter who was lost in the, in the jungle I tell you the truth that he didn't realize how significant this was to me I just came back from South Africa and um, while I was there they took me to this lion reserve which again wasn't too impressive they just basically lied there and I wanted to get out of the car my host would not let me they said that recently there had been this uh, Chinese couple who had come and also saw the lions just lying there so they came out take pictures and of course in a second they have that ability to wake up and jump at you and uh, break your neck and eat you which uh, nobody felt would be the right career move at this point so uh, which I thought was good <laughs> sometimes you figure that's good for a speaker but uh, nobody uh, you know it was, it was a dangerous thing by the way it's interesting that I heard them to be a shot and that's what it means you have to you know get up like a lion the lion just sort of lies there, but when, it's, when there's somebody close by, he can jump up in a second. When it's time to get up, they know how to leap forward. So, uh, so I understood the gentleman. Why was there? Someone said to me that there was a fellow who was a tour guide um, for like these safaris that go out into the jungle. And it was getting towards evening, and he got lost. He got lost, separated. And now night descends in the jungle. And he just hears the sounds. He says, what do I do? If I go up on a tree, maybe a, a giant snake will get me, or a panther. If I stay down here, a lion, a tiger. Talk about absolute, total fear. And he said, Akush Baruch, if you get me out of here, then I'll, you know, I'll, I'll become from anything. Really, anything's worse than getting eaten by wild animals. So, uh, so he, uh, he, in fact, went off and left in, in our Sameach, and he's from today because of that. But that's why the martial had special meaning to me. But uh, you're out in the jungle, and you have a bow and arrow. Assuming you're good at that. So, uh, so you got a bow and arrow, and every time he hears a noise, he shoots. And he hits a tree, he hits a bush. This then he hits a rock. He's down now to his last, his last arrow. He figures, I better make this one count. That says the Magami Lublin is Nila. 
when you're reaching the end, you only have one hour left. You've got to pull yourself together for that last burst of inspiration and make that last arrow count. And so probably in absolute terms, the highlight of Yom Kippur is Ne'ilah. But my experience growing up through my adult years has been that the highlight of Yom Kippur is in fact the break. And, but I've noticed this. Now you'll see if I'm wrong. It reaches the end of Musaf, and we're hearing about with that beautiful, you know, Kamara Kayan, how the Kayan looked when he came out of the Kosher Ocean, and everyone is looking at their watches. How long is this guy going to go on for? You know, this has significance for me. I'm a Kohen, you know, and I got to get a front and duck, and everyone's like, sing faster, sing faster. You know what I mean? I haven't eaten either. You know what I mean? So, so people are waiting for the break. Now, okay, that's that's understandable. Dopping starts relatively early in the morning. People going nonstop. They're really pouring themselves out, you know, and they're giving it them all, all day, all day, all day. And you need a little time, plus you a little time to catch your breath, to sit for a few moments and reflect over a shari tshuva, to sit down and finish up Mishnayis Yuma that you've been trying to finish over Yom Kippur, to go home and take a nap. Um, not, I mean, of course, only to get the koach, to be able to put your breast burst into Neila. And some people even take the opportunity to sit and to speak with their chaverim, to speak Lashon Hara, to you know, make sure they have what to say at Neila. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing somebody said to me you know I, I know I should be changing I don't know what I should do you know I said take the al and just look through see if anything applies to you <laughs> see if you can find one or two jot it down you know, like, you know we don't always appreciate that we have to do anything that we have to change huh? so, so we have to go through and we have to get ourselves ready so it comes to the break and because of that since some people are so so engaged in death being iron in their nap so uh, many people come back late this is, you can check this out in, in, in the average shul and see if I'm wrong here. That when it comes to Mincha, and because there is no Ashri of you know, it starts right away with the raining. You see people always, it's, it's, it's the same scene all the time. People walk into shul by, by, by Mincha Yom Kippur like this. You know, looking at them, oh, is this right? Is this right? Yes, man, you know. You know it's right. You know you overslept. <laughs> or you were so engaged in Shai Chuba, whatever the case was. You know, and you walk in and so, you know, the raining is going on already, you know, and you have to take your seat somewhat hurriedly, you know, and get back into it. And, uh, and then everybody can reach what for many people is the second highlight. The first highlight was the break. The second highlight is, of course, Mafta Yona. Matthiona is a very important source to be able to rain Yona on, uh, on Yom Kippur. This is, uh, to be able to get the Aliyah from Matthiona is very important. It's an opportunity f- to reach tremendous levels of Kedusha. So people will fight and scream over this opportunity to be able to reach those heights. Because, okay, we've got to keep focused. So people are going in now to hear Matthiona. And the story of Yona is something that, you know, you hear Yona, you hear the story of Yona, and you just know, you just know that, you know, it's so Yom Kippur. There's something about Yonah that's so Yom Kippur. When you, when you actually learn through Treyasa, you know, and you come to Yonah, it's like, well, it's, it's a Yom Kippur. You know what I mean? Yonah, that whole story. Now, what is there about Yonah that is so significant? So, okay, we know, we know the reasons. Every year we see the reasons. Uh, it illustrates the power of Truva, how an entire city was going to be destroyed, a metropolis was going to be destroyed, and they were able to save themselves through Truva. We know how Yonah tries to run away from a Kodesh Baruch, and a Kodesh Baruch doesn't let him. We know how it's important to put the emphasis on the, um, on the uh, substance and not the, uh, and not the externals. HaKadosh Baruch didn't look at the ashes and the sackcloth that they were adorning themselves with, but at the fact that they actually changed their ways. So we understand this. We understand there are many, many messages. 
but I want to focus on one of them. Yonah ben Amitai, Yonah the Navi, a fellow who reached this tremendous level of Nevoah. It means he was an unbelievable intellect, because Nevoah is not given out on the basis of, I was walking down the road and I had a vision. You understand? Nevoah means that you go through the Mesut Shalom step by step. You work yourself up through Zahiris and through Zerizas and through Nikias. You work yourself up level by level until you reach the final level of Ruach HaKodesh, which you can finally reach the level of Tqiyas Amesim. Which, by the way, I, when I teach a course, and I always say it's the class project at the end of the year. We have to bring someone back to life, you know. As the Kutzke says, sometimes you can do that with the people sitting in the room. But in any event, <laughs> in any event, Tchiyas HaMesim, which is unbelievable level, which is something that obviously Yonah was able to relate to since he was brought back to life after he had died. Stirring the Lachim. So that being the case, we understand that to reach this level of Nevoah, what a tremendous individual you had to be. He's running away from Hashem. How can you run away from Hashem? Now, we understand what his motivation was. He wanted to save the Jewish people. And he was afraid that if, if Nineveh turns around and does tshuva, because it's not so hard for non-Jews to, to be able to do tshuva, because, you know, they end up with seven mitzvahs, you know, and how hard is it not to rip a piece of meat off a live animal and eat it in the final analysis, you know what I mean? You know, like, I could handle that, you know. It's, the, it's just trying to figure out all the little hashbachas that drive me crazy, you know. But just not to eat an animal, I could handle that, you know. But, you know, so it's not so hard they're going to do tshuva. And it will come with one guy coming in and saying, it, Masha'en came, the Jewish people of course, were, received exhortation after exhortation, they were born, they were given every opportunity and they didn't change, they didn't change, so what are we supposed to do, he says, Yo, he says I'm, I'm going to go there and, and they'll turn around and they'll point a finger at the Jewish people, after all the Nevi'im and after all the people came to try to get them to change, this is going to lead to this terrible destruction, I'm going to run away, Nilifnei Hashem. Not Mipnei Hashem. I'm not going away from God. That's impossible. God is more excited than Kodesh Baruch fills every place. There's no place you can go where Kodesh Baruch is not. The only thing I can hope to do, the only thing I can hope to do is to go away from the intensity of the Kodesh Baruch uh, manifestation. Which means to leave Eretz Yisrael. Which means I'm going to go to Chutz Laaretz. Because in Chutz Laaretz, you're not going to have a Nebuah. And that was, in fact, Yonah's intention. If I can leave Israel, I'll go to Chutzlaretz, just get out of this place, then I won't have a Nevoah. Then what am I supposed to do? So far, I'm supposed to go to Nineveh. That's it. I don't have specific instructions. I'm getting out of here. Getting out of here before this gets too specific. I understand what's going to happen. I can see the story ahead. You don't have to be a prophet to figure this out for crying out loud. I see where this is going. I'm getting out of here. Right? So Yonah gets himself ready to go, he gets himself on a boat, and he leaves. Why is he going on a boat? Well, he knew when he went, when Eliyahu and Navi went out into the Midbar, he still was able to get a Nevoah. He could receive a prophecy. That's not good enough. I'm going out on a boat. Explains the Malbim. People are real nervous on a boat. That remains true to this day. That's why Titanic was such a big hit. You know, what I'm you know, we're nervous on a boat, even if it's unsinkable. You know, so you're going to go out onto you're going to go out onto a boat, and uh, and what's going to happen? I'm going to be I'm going to be nervous. I'm going to be upset. We don't know what's going to happen. You know, you don't know what storms can come up, what things can take place. Who's going to have the peace of mind to receive a nevuah? I want you to appreciate this. If you want to receive a nevuah, it can only come to you if you're besimcha. If you're not besimcha, you cannot get a nevuah. That's why they used to have minstrels, says in, 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 by, by Elisha. They used to have minstrels who would accompany them to play music, to cheer them up. 
Which, by the way, is just an unbelievable thing when you read through Yeshayahu and Yemiyahu. You know, I mean, you know, if they were depressed, they couldn't get in the book. You know, so, so they had to minstrels play to cheer them up. You know what I mean? I'm gonna exile your people and burn your land and kill your children. Chorus, you know? It's like, oh, okay, get me out of here. You know what I mean? Oh, you're getting depressed? I'm not talking to you anymore. You know what I mean? No, 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 okay, okay, I'm okay. Fine, I'm gonna make you a wandering people and I'm gonna destroy you and I'm gonna wipe you out. Yeah, yeah, keep going. You know, like, I love this part, you know? But if you, but if you get depressed, no, no, for So you think he's gonna go out on a ship, everyone's gonna be depressed. Uh, forget it. So they go out, and of course, a tremendous, you know, storm comes, everything's going, and he's napping, he's not too worried, you know. Worst case scenario, I die. Worst case scenario, I die. And then, huh, I won't have been the one to point the accusing finger at Kaiser. So his major motivation for Yona was to get away from Kosh go to Chutzlitz, go to the sea. Which is what troubles me so much. Because... When you read the Pasuk, it says the following. I want you to go to Ninveh and tell, you, tell them what I'm going to tell you, because their evil has come before me. Oh. So Yonah, of course, doesn't want this job. He decides, i got to get away from Hashem. I'm going to go to... Tarshish. Now, why is Tarshish the logical location to go if you're running away from a Kodesh Baruch Hu? I can think of a lot of good places to go where it would be hard to find a Kodesh Baruch Hu. I'm not saying a word. <laughs> I find people's imagination is usually worse than mine, so I'll leave it at that. <laughs> Reminds me of this great story where we have a cast from the Bay, you know, he was once in a class and he and he says to the girls, he says, Somebody here last night was someplace they shouldn't have been, and I expect you to come over and speak to me at the end. Oh boy. So at the end of class everyone lines up. <laughs> I was here and I was there and I was here and I was there. They go through the list. Yes, yes, yes. At the end he said, Hey Cass, what did you mean? Nobody. I was fishing. <laughs> Which brings us back to Yon on the boat. So, <laughs> boy, did he catch a big one, right? Anyway, so now here it is. I'm getting ready to run away from a Kurdish Baruch What is my location of choice? Tarshish. You're running to Tarshish, and in fact, this point is stressed at the end. And by the way, you could just leave that out. You could just say, and he wanted to run away. So he went down to Yafo and he got on a boat. You don't have to tell me the location. Why was he Dafka choosing Tarshish? It seems like it's the best place to go if you want to run away from Akurish Baruch Hu is Tarshish. And, and at the end, when he comes back, Karak and he gives the Honavua, and he sees that they're saved. And what does he say? Perak Dalit Pasik days. Dvari I knew this already was going to happen when I was back in Israel. I came to Dante Levrach Tarshisha. That's why I wanted to go to Tarshish. I knew you were going to do this. I know how you work already. All powerful, all merciful. Over and over and over again. That's why I wanted to go to Tarshish. Why did you say that's why I wanted to run away? No. That's why I wanted to go to Tarshish. Why is the logical place to run away from Hashem, Tarshish? Well, 
What do we know about Tarshish? Very little you say, and that's probably correct. We know the first place Tarshish appears in the Torah is in the genealogies of the sons of Noah. I'm reading Perak Yud, Posik Beis, B'nai Yefes, children of Yefes, Gomer, Omogog, Omodai, V'yovan, V'suvol, U'meshach, V'siras, right? U'b'nai Gomer, Ashkenaz, Rifas, V'sogarma, children of Gomer, U'b'nai Yavon, and the children of Yavon, who was who? Elisha, V'sarshish, Ketim, V'dodonim. Children of Yavan of Greece, Elisha and Sarshish Kitu Dodonim. Sarshish is the son of Yavan. That's who he was. Now, why is that significant? We know he's from Yavan. We know he's from Greece. We know he's from Yefes. Why is that significant? I don't know. Tarshish is also obviously a place because he wanted to go there. Where was Tarshish? Well, one of the best places I always look for these things is um, Arya Kaplan's notes on the Living Torah. Arya Kaplan who is a fellow who is a genius um, that it puts the word genius to shame he knew everything I mean if you ever want just for fun just read through the bibliography at the back of the living Torah because then he, he just knew everything everything secular Jewish is just incredible it's people like that who really really make you feel inadequate and that's why I like these kind of things but in any event um, so he has all the footnotes where he tries to identify it so he tells us who was Tarshish uh, it was famed for its ships. Josephus identifies it with Cilicia, whose capital was Tarsus. The identification with Tarsus is also upheld in Talmudic sources, Targum Yonison, Yerushalmi, Megillah, some associated with Tuscany, Lombardy, Florence, and Milan. So it was a place. <laughs> I wish I could tell you more, but that's about it. So we know that Tarsus was a person, and we know that it was a place. Tarshish was also one of the stones in the Khoshan. One of the twelve stones that went on the breastplate that the Kohen Gadda wore was Tarshish. Now, if that's not a clue, what is? So, it was in the fourth row. Tarshish for Shoham for What was this stone Tarshish? Where else would I look? But of course, in um, the Living Torah, and so Ayah Kaplan explains to us that it's chrysolite. He gives you the word in Greek if you're interested. It's described as being a yellowish stone, the color of amber. That's according to Pliny, in case you want to look it up. Traditional sources identify it with the color of pure olive oil. The sources maintain that the Tarshish was the stone of Asher, whose blessing was oil. Now you have to understand, there were 12 stones that corresponded to the 12 Shvatim, the 12 tribes. And if you go in the birth order, so you know that the last two was obviously Yosef and Binyamin, and so the, what is before that will be Asher. Tarshish is the tribe of Asher. Of course, if you want to put it in another way, counting down in the rows, so then they maintain that Tarshish is aquamarine, a brilliant blue-green stone. The Radak, he quotes the Radak, the Targum, and the King James Version. These sources, <laughs> these, <laughs> again, these sources identify the stone with Zvulun, whose blessing was by the sea. So now you see that it was either Asher or Zvulun, it was either the color of oil, amber, or it was the color blue of the sea. Okay, I hope the picture is getting clearer for you by now. 
Now, so far we know, Tashish was the name of a guy, the name of a place, and the name of a jewel. It was also... Now, I have to tell you, you know perfectly well that I have to come up with a title for this year way before I have any idea what I'm talking about. And uh, I had this title for years, The Road to Tarshish. It just sounded so great. I did had no idea what it had to do with anything or anything. I just loved the title. When I gave him the title, I had no idea what I was going to do with it. And so as I was dabbling Rosh Hashanah for a year of bracha, of shalom, and of divine inspiration, I came across on the second day in the Shachris, in the Piet, the following thing. Right? They, uh, the can't even depend on his holy ones. Can we even rely on who? On the, the powerful ones of Tarshish. And how are we going to justify ourselves, those of us who were formed out of mud? That's us, by the way. <laughs> who are these Tarshishav? And you have to go no further than the next piyut, where you'll find at the end, and Hashem Melech, Hashem Melech, Hashem Yimloich, yeah? Ko chashmalei zikim, lebekorim mischadshim, Hashem Melech. Ko tarshishay goiva, bedemama melachashim. All of the powerful tarshishim silently whisper, Hashem Melech, elu ve'elu b'shubush m'shalushim, Hashem Yimloich. There are obviously some powerful malachim who are called the Tarshishim. And of course that immediately jogged my memory when I looked in the footnote that, that in fact the Tarshishim are referred to in the Maisa Merkava. Everybody is aware of course the um, vision that Yechezkel had of the chariot of God and all the things that went around it. I don't have to go into this. We know already all the uh, things that are associated with it. So, you know, I was going to go into that in depth for a while. I mean, we know sort of the heavy capitalistic references, which again, we can find in any art school. So, um, so now we have four associations with Tarshish. It's a guy, it's a place, it's a precious jewel, and it's these malachim called Tarshishim. Where was Yonah going? Was Yonah going to a people... Was Yonah going to a place? And if so, what was the significance of those people in that place? Was he somehow getting in contact with some spiritual power? Or did it have something represented by this stone, by this precious jewel? So the Abarbanel says the following. The Abarbanel in Malachim Aleph, Yud Chafbeis, it's okay, it's okay. It's in Hebrew, I'm not going to do it. Anyway, the Abarbanel says the following. In the Posik, where. In the Posik, where it describes how Shlomo Melech got together with Hiram and they sent boats out to um, Tarshish to be able to bring back all these precious goods, etc. So he says. Tarshish was a place that used to be known as Carthage. How's that? It, it bring back horrible memories of high school? <laughs> Remember Carthage and Rome and the Punic Wars? And, yeah, anyway, so there was this place called Tarthage, Carthage in North Africa. Today he says it's known as Tunis. And in Carthage, 
this was a major trading port because the Mediterranean, which is known as the Yam Hagodol, the Great Sea, the Mediterranean, Meta, Mediterranean Terra is of course uh, Earth and Meta is the middle, the middle of the Earth, and the world was seen as revolving around the Mediterranean basin. So the middle of the Mediterranean was Carthage. It was a trading center, it had tremendous fleets, and they were in the power of import-export, and they would bring from all around the world all of the riches, and all of the plenty, and all of the, the desirous products, and bring it all around. That was, the, that was the role that Carthage played. It was able to transport and to, and to supply the world. Shalmanach went there, explains the Bible now, to be able to learn from the Tyrians how to uh, be proper seafarers, to be able to get into the business of transporting everything all around. Now Shalmanach was the smartest guy in the world. He wants to go to Tarshish in order to be able to get involved in the heavy business of taking all of the goods and bringing them around. Okay, now we understand. Shlomo Melech had the power to become the Mashiach. He was going to usher in the Messianic era. The base of Migdash was going to be the light unto the world. We were going to be that Ola Goyim. And so all the riches of the world were going to find its way eventually into Yerushalayim and into the base of Migdash. And this was going to serve as the basis to, to fuel this powerful move to, to bring all of mankind. That was the plan. Everything Shlomo did revolved around that. That's the reason he married all these wives, a thousand wives. When you think about it, it's a difficult concept. He spent most of his life in Sheva Brachos. I mean, how much parva ice cream can you eat? Is there? <laughs> I'll bet you when he heard that song, oh, you Shama, after a while. <laughs> Okay, anyway, but the idea was to be able to take people from all the, take wives from all the nations of the world, to be able to have princes descended, would be able to ascend the throne, who were Jews, learned in Torah, to be able to transform the world. This was Shlomo Melech's vision. And part of the plan was to be able to capture the trade of Tarshish, to be able to bring all the goods to Yerushalayim, and to make them the source, take over that intermediary phase. That being the case, what exactly is Tarshish? We know it's a place, we know it was a center of commerce. It's an amazing Rebbe In Parshish Vayetze. When we talk about the famous scene of Yaakov Avinu on Har Maria, where he sees the ladder and its feet are resting on the ground and its head is up in the clouds the Besam Migdash is in the middle and Malachim are going up and down so Ben Rechai, if you're familiar with his parish, you know, he brings you know, according to Said, according to this, according to that he's going to explain it now, Aldas HaSeichel this is Aldas HaSeichel, we're not now getting into any mystical realms this is very simple that any of us can understand and appreciate this ladder represented reality, existence. Because the ladder has many rungs, many levels, one above the other. 
And that's why Lakach Yam Shabal Hakosav Es Hametzias Al Sheish Hametzias Nechalek L'Shlosha Chalakim. That's why it's compared to a ladder with rungs, because our existence in this world is divvied up into three levels of existence. This is Abbas HaSeichel. There's a mystical here. Chelek HaMalochim, Chelek HaGalgolim, Chelek Olam HaShafel. The lower world in which we live, the world of the Malochim up there, and the world of the Galgolim the stars, the constellations. V'chein, Sidram, Dovid HaMelech HaVashalom, Baruch Hu Hashem HaRochov, Baruch Hu Hashem Kol Tzvahov, Baruch Hu Hashem Kol Ma'asov. There's the, the Malachim, there's the Tzvahos, and there's the world down here. Now maybe we should explain this a little bit. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is absolute spirituality. How does that bring into physicality? There's a process. The Rambam in Yisraeli Torah explains there are ten levels of Malachim. Because the Malachim serve as a means, each one becoming a little more physical. There's a process of physicality. It doesn't snap into physicality. It goes into levels, becoming more gashmi, more gashmi, more gashmi, more, until we finally end up with the physical existence in which we exist. If you will, there's a means, there's a pipeline that allows a Kurdish Baruch Hu's shefa to come down. That's the normal way the world works. A Kurdish Baruch Hu is absolute, Shamayim, we are down here, physicality, absolute physicality, and it comes down the tubes, which by the way, that's the concept when you find in, um, in the Svarim when it talks about astrology. These people, they weren't opening up to see, you know, oh, I'm a Pisces, and I'm going to meet somebody interesting today, and this is a bad day to, you know, stand in the street. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, my, my Zodiac said, there I did, to stand in the street. It's always a bad time to stand in the street. You understand? Stay away from that, you know? But they, 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 they're in real general things. Today's a good day to get involved in a new venture. Great. You understand? So, that, we're not talking about that. We're talking about, if you understand what's going on upstairs, if you can read the stars, so to speak, you can see what's coming down the pipeline. You see what's coming. You see how things are going to play itself out. Normal things don't work with you. You are going to live a different existence. Let's read another And through this whole vision of the ladder, Kishbaruch is showing Yaakov, He's going to be standing on this ladder, He's going to be in charge of all three of these levels. Starting from this lowest world, through that middle world, and working himself up. He explains the Pasek to tell us what the names are of these different worlds in Tehillim. I'm not going to go through it now. If you want to look up the Rebbe Rebbechaya in its, in its fullness, if you, you want to really see something fascinating. The middle world, the Galgolim, that's called the Tarshishim. That's Tarshish. Now suddenly, the pieces are starting to fall into place. 
It means there's a natural way the world works. There's what's up there, there's what's down here, and there's how we get it from up there to down here. What gets it from up there to down here are the Tarshishim. That's Tarshish. Well, doesn't it make sense then that the physical manifestation of it would be a place that's in the middle of the Mediterranean, taking from this side into that side and transferring everything back and forth? Isn't that what Tarshish obviously will be? The import-export, taking from here and bringing to there and taking from here and bringing back right in the middle? Because the Tarshishim represent the normal functioning of the world where those forces exist in between Shemai and Ba'aretz to bring everything from up, down, to, to, to be able to connect the two in between. That's the ladder. That's the Tarshishim. Now where does Yonah want to run away from? Where does Yonah want to go? HaKadosh Baruch Hu, he's an Eitzel. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is speaking of the Nevoah. Nevoah does not work in the normal sense. Nevoah is coming from up there to you, not via anything. You're going to get this message. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, I have a job for you to do. I have a job for you to do. And Yonah doesn't want to do that job. Yonah doesn't want to have to point that finger because he knows like he says in Perek Dalet he knows the Yud Gimel Midas Hashem Hashem Kerach Vakano Nerach Hapayim Rav Chesed Emes Nesach Chesed Lalafim Nesay Ovam Profeshem Vakatov Anakei I know you already I know how you work oh oh merciful forget it I'm going to Ninveh I'll never get destroyed they'll stop ripping legs off of animals and eating them and that's it they'll get saved they'll turn around to the Jewish people or point the finger so I'm running to Tarshish because Tarshish is the means, the normal means how things work from one to the other. Because everything in this world follows rules. Get on top of a roof of a building and fall off, and if it's high enough, you will die. Don't try this at home, kids. Okay? Take my word for it. You leave your hand in fire long enough and it will burn off. And you can regret it, and you can feel bad, and you can promise never, 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 and you still won't have a hand. That's it. Unless they hook up some bionics and stuff, and then you'll have to work for the government. But forget about that. You understand? Under the normal functioning. See who's old enough to get that. <laughs> Under the normal functioning of the world. The normal function of the world is you mess up, you can feel bad, there is no way to change it. That's normal. There's something that's not normal. Because if we're right, then when you're bad, you die. You have rebelled against the king. This is what is known in theology as the lightning bolt method. Do something wrong, zappo. And that makes sense. That's how Hashem wanted to create the world. Just like in the physical world, there are absolute rules that govern it. So the spiritual world should have absolute rules that govern it too. And it does. That's why we do Torah and mitzvot. We do Torah and mitzvot not because it's nice ritual or because it has beautiful symbolism. It's because we do things down here and it changes things up there. For real. It's not some mumbo jumbo. It really has the power to alter a spiritual reality. We wave the Lulu Manesrug in the six directions to chase away the bad winds. Ooh. Can't you feel them going? No, you can't. 
Because we're not on a spiritually enough sensitive level. If you were, then you would. The bad winds come from a Kaddish Baruch He uses the winds in order to make, to, to make an effect. But we can change things in the physical world through spiritual means. But there are rules that govern it. You can't play fast and loose. You can't, you can't, you know, uh, take, a, take a branch off a tree and wave it in all directions and say, Oh, I had the feeling. Who cares if you had the feeling? Because then, you might as well take a handkerchief and hold it above your head and say, I feel like I have a parachute. But when you hit the bottom, it ain't going to help. This is easy enough to grasp, right? I don't, know. I don't have to develop this further at this point, okay. Because <laughs> it only gets worse, my examples, from here. So it's uh, a <laughs> Saturday night, we still have to eat my love and Anyway. So where did, the, where did Yonah want to go? Yonah says, listen, HaKadosh Baruch Hu created Rachamim. HaKadosh Baruch Hu created the power of Tshuva. Tshuva which does not fit into the normal functioning of the world. Says Yonah, I'm going to go to the normal functioning of the world. I'm going to go to Tarshish. I'm going to go to Midas Hadin. Midas Hadin. You know how it works? Absolute chesed is represented by the Aleph Beis. Aleph Beis, Gimel, Dalet, Hey, Vav, etc. Absolute. Absolute Din is represented by, going backwards, Tuf, Shin, Resh, Kuf. Isn't it interesting that Tarshish are those last letters of the alphabet? Tarshish. Din. As far away from the Aleph to represent the Kodesh Baruch as you can get. I'm going to din. I'm going to the normal functioning. Let's check the uh, pipeline and see what's coming down. Let's look at your horoscope for today. Oh, Ninveh's going to get destroyed because they're evil. Oh, too bad. That's the normal functioning. What do you want from me? You want me to alter this? Want me to change this? No way. I'm getting out of here. Let nature take its course. Because if nature takes its course, when you're bad, you get zapped. That's the natural means. And the Kodesh Baruch who wants to show Yonah, yes, I mixed in Rachamim. That's Rosh Hashanah. And that's Yom Kippur. We start off with Din, with a little Rachamim. You ever wonder what we do on the second day of Rosh Hashanah? Right? We blow shofar and the Chazal tell us we blow shofar HaKadosh Baruch Hu gets up from his throne of judgment and sits on his throne of mercy. I, I know I don't have to mention this just there's no thrones by the way because it would have to be very very big. Okay? Because God's infinite. So it's just telling us that he switches from using Midas Adin to Midas Arachanim. So what are we doing the second day? We already blew shofar. What are we doing the second day? We're going through Rosh Hashanah again with Hashem sitting on the Kisa Arachanim. Now let's get another din. Now let's redo the judgment. And with that judgment, we go into the Aseris Meshuva. Okay? Instead of having din with Rachamim, I'm having Rachamim with din. Let's work to make ourselves as best as we can. So we'll go into Yom Kippur. We will focus on Rachamim. And we'll focus on Tshuva. And the tremendous chesed that HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives us where if we really feel bad enough and we regret it and we promise not to do it again Hashem says I will alter the normal functioning of the world and no lightning bolt method. We will pretend it never happened. Many people use the marshal you know you reach the end of your life and you're going to go upstairs there's going to be a big theater big screen 
and you star. They're going to have your life. This is your life. And they're going to show your whole life. And it's a great audience. Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov. Parents, grandparents, great-grandparents. Everyone's going to be there to watch your life. And they'll come around to like a particular Saturday night. You're like, oh no, not that one. <laughs> Can we fast forward? Uh-uh. <laughs> Let's watch this in living color. You know what I'm And there's your life playing out in front of you. Well, that's not a depressing thought. <laughs> it's bad enough when you have to look at those pictures your parents took of you when you were little kids. You understand? <laughs> Here's my whole life. All there in living color for everyone to see and all of its gory details. But if you do tshuva, when they come to that Saturday night, it'll be blank. Nothing there. Where'd it go? Well, that scene was removed for the television audience. <laughs> For family viewing. <laughs> it wasn't there. It never existed. You did shuva. It's gone. And by the way, if you really do good shuva, there will be a scene. There won't be a blank screen. You'll be sitting there learning over Gemara. We'll say Tehillim. You'll be davening, doing mitzvahs, helping old ladies across streets. You know that? And you'll be like, yeah, I don't remember this part. <laughs> but that's shuva. Shuva has the power to alter the reality. Does it fit into the natural way? Does it fit into the Tarshishian way? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. That's the power of tshuva. And so, Yonah, at the end, as he's sitting there, all upset, because Hashem forgave him, and he says to him, I knew you would do this, you know. What's the point? What's the point? Why should I be the one who was responsible for this? So what does he do? The Yetzah Yonah min ha'ir, he leaves the city. The Yeshev mikedem la'ir, sits on the other side, the east. The Yaslo Shem Sukkah, he makes a Sukkah. The Yeshev Tachteha Batzel, Ad Asher Yireh, Ma'yiyah Ba'ir. Hoping against hopes that maybe Hashem will destroy them. You know, just you know, looking for a happy ending, yeah. He gets this giant gourd to grow over him. And he makes the gourd to protect him, to shade him, to protect him from the bed. And boy, does he like that gourd. And Hashem sends a little worm the next morning and it eats up the gourd and it dries up. And Hashem brings this ruach kodim, this east wind, this hot east wind to blow on him. And Yon is very upset that he lost his gourd. He lost his gourd. And the Kodesh says, you're so upset about a gourd, but you don't care about a whole city full of people. A whole city full of people. HaKadosh Baruch Hu. HaKadosh Baruch Hu was just showing. He just wanted to show that that's the normal way things work. Gourds don't miraculously spring out of the ground. And they don't miraculously vanish. But if you're going to be upset that my special hashkocha exists, 
then don't be upset that the gourd disappeared because that's the way things work you want to work through the normal means then sometimes you'll get a nice gourd and sometimes you'll lose it sometimes it'll be hot and sometimes it'll be cold and you have no control at all over the elements and what do we say on Yom Sheni the Shabbos on the second day Shem is Mordov Nekoach let me read the Posik. The Ruach Kodim with an east wind to Shaber Anios Tarshish. I'll destroy the boats of Tarshish. The same east wind that the Baruch Hu brought to destroy that gourd, to show Yonah, don't we need that Chesed and Rachamim? That's what eventually will destroy the boats of Tarshish. Because the Kodesh Baruch Hu wants to show us. We don't work, Baruch Hashem, we don't work within the natural way of the world. Because if we worked within the natural way of the world, would we still be here today? Would anybody make it out of Rosh Hashanah? All the Malachim tremble, everyone is afraid, everything is difficult. But we want that Rachman, we want that Chesed, we want that Shuva, we want that chance to change. We want that second chance. That third chance, that tenth chance, that millionth chance. Hakadosh Baruch Hu, wait for us at Yom Wait for me to the very last day. You don't want anyone to die. You don't want anything bad to happen. Hakadosh Baruch Hu. Hakadosh Baruch Hu, don't use me this hadin. Yonah tried to invoke me this hadin. Hakadosh Baruch Hu brought him back and said, "Try again. Try again." That same sense of mercy and compassion that you have on a gourd, have for a city full of people. That same sense of compassion Akash Baruch Hu has for us come every Yom Kippur where he waits for us. After we read Yonah, we go into Ne'ilah and Akash Baruch Hu sends away the Satan and says, Here I am. Just show me something. Open your heart a little bit. Feel a little bit. The Lumagayan has a parish on Yonah well, he says, we're not really telling you a story about a guy named Yonah. The Yonah is referring to Anishama, which comes down onto this world. And it comes down to this world, and we're told to go out and to do a job. But instead, we run away. We run away, and where do we go, says the Grah? Tarshisha. Says the Grah, After the tithes of this world, To get rich. That's what Tarshish represents. Tarshish, all the wealth of Tarshish, Tarshish represents the wealth, and it represents the pursuit of desires and wants, and how we teach ourselves to want and to get and to acquire things. Things, you know, we have to understand that a Baruch who put us in this world for a purpose, just like Yonah, and that everything in this world, all the shefa that comes down through the pipes, all the tarshish, is there as a means to an end and not an end. A Baruch who hands us opportunities. And Baruch Hashem, many of us have opportunities to be able to do things. To be used a means. Rabbi Nebuchadnezzar explains that the 
rock, Tarshish, precious stone, as we saw brought down, either represents Asha or Zvulun. What was Zvulun? Zvulun had the boats and brought the wealth from far away back to Israel. For what purpose? To support Yisachar sitting and learning. Zvulun wasn't embarrassed. Zvulun didn't look at Yisachar and say, why don't you go out and get a job? Why don't you do something worthwhile? Zulun says, Baruch Hashem, I have the opportunity to support this learning of Torah and Klai Yisrael, which is so essential. Well, it was Asher. And we spoke about Asher last past year on Pasha's Vayachi. And how Asher's whole challenge is to take everything in this world that we're given and use it properly. And understand that we're supposed to remain unchanged for the process because we're here to serve a purpose. We're here for a purpose. <coughs> there's up there, there's all the way down here, and there's everything in between. In between is the means. To get from here to there is the end. And unfortunately, so many of us just look down here, we don't look up there. And the ladder, the foot of the ladder, the rest on the ground. So now I'm going to tell you, uh, just, uh, just a startling realization I had of this. So I was in South Africa, and of course, the, going through a terrible economic situation, the rand was collapsing, which meant that, you know, the rand had dropped. It was now 6, 7 to the dollar. And of course, I looked at this difficult economic situation and said, time to go shopping. So, because, uh, you know, you have to look at everything as an opportunity. So, um, so I needed shoes. I, I had a pair of shoes. I wear them to death because, uh, you know, of all the uh, constant walking I do from the car to the house and back. So, uh, so that being the case, my shoes were just totally destroyed. And um, I, I try very hard to find shoes that will give me strong support because, you know, I, I need that pushing the gas pedal and all. So, because uh, I've got an Israeli car, you know, with a 1.6 liter engine, as you know, which in America goes into a golf cart, you know what I mean? So here you, know, you get into one of these cars and you floor it, you know, on a hill and it just sort of laughs, you know what I mean? But, 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 you know, up the hill, you know. So, uh, so I'm looking for a strong pair of shoes. So the guy says, I know a great place. I'll get you a great deal. You know what I mean? It'll really be cheap. Especially now with the dollar, you can get these very strong shoes. Fine. So I go out and buy these shoes. And they're talking very, very comfortable. I had a very easy recession. A standing bar, Hashem, you know, these wonderful shoes. And I had something happened to me that hasn't happened to me in my life. In my life. Uh, maybe, maybe years ago. Um, I was never accused of being stylish. When my mother used to buy my clothes for me, about, I don't know, three, four years ago. So, um, I would occasionally get compliments on my, uh, on my clothes. But basically, you know, you know it, it wasn't, I wasn't really putting too much emphasis on those things. So, um, so all of a sudden I had this where I was speaking to a group from California of assimilated Jews. And I was speaking to them about the purpose of life and why we should be Jewish and what the meaning is and everything like this. And when I finished this really... I, I thought it was a brilliant presentation. It was impassioned to touch their lives. I said, are there any questions? And someone says, yeah, where'd you get those shoes? <laughs> I said, I don't, I don't think that uh, my message was getting across here, you know? <laughs> Why would you talk about shoes? I mean, could there be anything more distant from Shemayim than shoes? When you want to go stand before Kaddish Baruch Hu, take off your shoes. I don't Take off your shoes. You know what I mean? Shoes are just, I mean, could it be anything more than just a means to let you function in this world? 
And people are worried. Is it this shoe? Is it that shoe? Is it this color? Is it that color? You know what I mean? You want, and this to me was amazing because as a guy, we had two pairs of shoes what we wore during the week and we wore Shabbos. You know what I mean? And he had sneakers for Yom Kippur. I mean, that's what I was growing up, you know. You know, maybe I, I won't get into it. But anyway, that was about it, you know. And you know, and I, I you know, you see, you know, I see girls and stuff, you know, they've got like, you know, like 800 pairs of, it's like I'm going to meld the Marcus's closet. You know what I mean? For this outfit and for that outfit. In the case it's this and in the case it's that. It's got to go with this, got to go with that. You're like, gosh, they're just shoes. You know what I mean? Do they match the outfit? Do they, can you walk in them? No, but they match the outfit. And that's what's important. You've got to keep the focus here. You know what I mean? you got to know why I'm wearing these shoes. I'm going to be in pain. It'll be uncomfortable. But they'll match my pocketbook. So you know, you got to keep a focus. You know? They're just shoes. It could be anything more distant. It's interesting on Yom Kippur we don't wear any shoes. We don't wear any shoes. I don't know how I'm going to stand, but okay. We don't wear any shoes. Take off that absolute connection to this world and understand that I'm striving for something else. Yom Kippur is the one day when we take off the shoes, we don't eat and drink, we take away all that physicality, all those tithes, the money, the, the things that we spend our life chasing that are just a means to an end as the Gura tells us. We put all that away, we put it aside. We're looking to get up to Shamayim. Not through the means, not through the Tarshishim. We want to skip over that, go straight up to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, To be able to express ourselves, to be able to get into that Midas HaRachamim. To be able to jump through the natural order. Utshuva, Utfila, Utstaka. We're pretty good at Shuva. We can beat our chest and fake sincerity better than anybody. Tfila, we're very good at that. I mean, we're, we're trained to do that. I was in a shul one year when I was this kid. So I must be like seven years old. And he's doing the achets. And he's crying. <laughs> I'm wondering, gosh, what does this kid do? You know what I mean? <laughs> it was so clearly sincere, you know? He was going like this. <laughs> and we're trained. We're trained to, you know, to, 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 to daven. We're trained to this. Stuck is harder. Stuck is harder. Because that really affects me. I don't mind diving to Hashem, but it doesn't really bother me that much. You understand? I don't even mind doing shuva. You understand? As long as I can keep doing what I'm doing. But, uh, but stuff actually cost me money. <laughs> and I could use that for stuff. <laughs> I could buy things. I could do things. I could go places. And go out to eat. Gosh, you know, what it, I, you know, people go out to eat all the time here. You know, I mean, not, not most of us who actually live here, but people come to visit. Does it make any sense to pay like $14 for a Frankfurter? To me, it makes no sense. But people go out to eat. You know, I go out to eat. You know? So when I first came here, it was in 1973. The second time I came here, actually. I went to camp here. And somebody at the time told me, you know how you make a million dollars in HL? Come with two million. <laughs> That's the key. You know? It goes very quick. A lot of things to spend it on. And isn't there an opportunity that we can look around to see if I can stretch my budget a little bit to help somebody else? Help somebody else. There are these two I need you, man. I give them a shekel, you know, whenever I see them, you know. And it's coming up, and I, and I thought about it. So I gave, them a little, I gave them a larger donation. And they were so excited, and they stood up. And they gave me, they gave me a bracha, and they gave me all the wonderful things. It's probably a good way to go into Yom Kippur. It's probably a good focus for us to have. We have to use the means correctly. I heard, I heard a beautiful story. I forgot who it's from. Forgive me. I heard it uh, from somebody once. 
This guy came to a fellow for a, a donation. He says, listen, I really can't give it now. Things are, things are tight. Things are difficult. So he says, do me a favor. Look out the window. What do you see? Oh, I see trees. I see, you know, people walking. I see people working. I see children playing. He says, take a look in the mirror. What do you see? He says, I see myself. He says, so how can you look out the window you don't see yourself? He says, you know, you take silver and, you know, ketchup, you know, you put it on the back and uh, then you see yourself. He says, yeah, that's right. If you back up your reflection with money, with kesef, then all you're going to see is yourself. But if you put that aside, you'll be able to see all the people out there who need a lot of help. Who need a lot of help. It's interesting that somebody came to me, a close friend, and he says, you know, there's an Amona who lives in this neighborhood with a whole bunch of children. Uh, She has no family, and her husband left her no money. You understand? He died very young. And she does a little work on the side besides taking care of the children to try to get by, but she just can't. What she gets from, you know, from the government is just not enough to get by. And I took upon myself to go around collecting. He came knocking on my door just to get enough money so she can pay her rent and pay her food. And he says to me, you know, if you ever have a chance to talk about stalker, maybe you could mention this. I said, I'll try to work it in before Yom Kippur. There'll be somebody downstairs collecting at a table. If you have money with you now, if you want to get the, a number you know, downstairs, who to call, who to contact. But you know how many families that are like this? Here in High Enough? Who are just in trouble? Who just need help? Just need help? We're asking HaKadosh Baruch Hu not to work in the natural order of the world. Not to work the way we should through the Tarshishim for us to get what's coming to us. That would be the hard, worst thing to say to anybody. Say, oh, it's a beautiful year. I hope you get everything you deserve. Could you imagine anything worse to say to somebody? <laughs> Please, not that. We don't want what we, what we deserve. So let's tap into that Nida of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And let's look at ourselves and see what we can do. We have a few days left. We're going to walk in and say, Kodesh Baruch Hu, Hashem, Hashem, Kerach, Vachanun, Erech, Abayim, Rav, Chesav, Emes, Nitzach, Chesav, Arafim, Nasi, Ovum, Refesh, Vachanun, Akei. Please, don't work with me this Hadin. Please, don't look through the mazolus what I should be getting and where I should be getting and what I deserve. And I'm going to try to move outside of myself too, a little bit more. To do a little bit more. To care a little bit more. Yeah, Yonah went away ran away on a boat to Tarshish going to business understand go after the money go after the tithes we have a few days left let's put all those aside and let's focus on the people around us who need us so desperately let's answer some of those cries for help and Amir Tzashem every one of us will be zaykh to have a Kaddish Baruch Hu reach out and move with us outside of the natural functioning of the world and we'll all have a Gemach Smetayvah